Indeed a privilege for me, uh, friends, to bring the Word of God to you tonight. Uh, I've got a few very interesting nuggets for you. Uh, I think there's going to be something interesting, something new to learn for every one of us. And I thank God for that. Let's just bow our heads in prayer for a moment. Wonderful Heavenly Father, what a privilege to open your word here in the middle of the week. Would you anoint him who speaks as well as those who listen? And would you give us prepared hearts? And would your name be glorified in every one of us? We ask that in Jesus' wonderful name. And we say amen and amen. Can we draw your attention to 2 Corinthians 3.18, please? Just a single verse, the subject that I'm going to talk about. Uh, is on the imperative, the imperative, not the, only a requirement, the imperative of spiritual growth, spiritual progression. Uh, and you can imagine for yourself that there are so many verses that I could use, but I thought let's just, uh, I'm not going to overburden you with scripture, but I'm going to give you a few. But this one, let's start with that as our key text tonight. Second uh, Corinthians three eighteen, but we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, and this is what it's going to be all about, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed. Would you agree with me that nobody who ever sees the Lord can be unchanged? <laughs> it's just impossible. Into the same image. Who is our standard for spiritual growth? Jesus Christ. You know, there's an operative principle here. And that is the one that commissions you. Either sets, but in the spiritual realm, he is the standard. The Father sent Jesus out and Jesus saw the Father as his standard. He didn't do anything without reference to the Father. He says, what I do, I do for my Father. I do his will. I do his works. I bear witness to him. In fact, at some stage, he achieved the, sp the spiritual maturity that I'm talking of because he said, I and the Father are one. We are one. We are indistinguishable. All right. So this is what this text tries to tell us. Um, same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. The other operative principle here is, Obviously, the transformation that takes place in one is by the agency of the Holy Spirit of God. No man can do it in his own strength. It's by the agency of the Holy Spirit. So, what do I want to achieve with you tonight? Let me do it like a teacher should do it. What I would like to do is, first of all, I'd like to exhort but rather encourage and inspire all of us 
to refresh spiritual growth, the vitality of spiritual growth in ourselves. I am going to give you evidence of progress. You know, if we, we can say spiritual growth, or we can use the word spiritual progression. And I'm going to give you evidence that there was even progression in God's realm. Hold your breath. In God's realm. And then I'm going to have five minutes on evidence of progression in Christ's own earthly ministry. Where can we get better examples for us to emulate than those? So the progression that I'm going to talk about actually springs from the heart of God. And then I will have a concluding remark. I'll show you one or two human examples relative to this particular subject. Are we all taken on that? Good, lovely. You're with me. Thank you. Let's start. Let's start with this and say, I want to talk a little bit. Five minutes. I must watch the clock. Evidence of progression in God's realm. Don't the theologians talk about, listen carefully, the progressive self-revelation of God. Isn't that growth? Progression? We start with a very distant, almost lonely creator. And progressively, he came nearer and nearer and nearer to us, as I will show you in a minute. First, the completely unknowable. And if God didn't decide to reveal himself, no human flesh would ever have discovered God or have been able to meet God. What was the next step of progression? Then God decided to reveal himself to individuals. And he, in, he did so to Abraham. And he did so to Moses. But that's not where the progression stopped. Then God said, I am going to self-reveal myself to a nation. I'm going to call a remnant of people out of Egypt and I'm going to make them a nation, the nation of Israel. Progressive self-revelation of God. I'm not going to talk detail about it. I think it resonates with your knowledge of the Bible history. And then God went a step further and Micah 5.1, we see the prophecy about the incarnation of the Lord, of God, becoming flesh, coming even closer to you and me today. God with us, Emmanuel. Distant, revealed to individuals, revealed to a nation, and then progressively God with us. That's not where it stopped. 
God's progression went even further. The next step at the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost was poured out into their hearts, it was no longer God with us, but God in us. Ever closer, ever closer. And you and I live in the New Testament times, and my view is that we live in the dispensation of God through us. The responsibility. Do you see why I say an imperative? To reveal God, it has now to be through us. All right. So, yeah, there was progression in God's realm. Uh, and I just wanted you to see that the principle that I'm talking to you about is not foreign. And the same holds for Jesus Christ. There was evidence of progression in Christ's earthly ministry. In the realm of nature, make a careful study of this. Remember, in the realm of nature, God only contended with his own mind. He was the creator of nature. So God took Jesus Christ. Remember, God is his standard because he was God sent. He took baby steps first in his miracles. For him to change water into wine was the first baby step. It's nature. He's the creator. Right. And then his father consciousness increased. He became more bold. There was a progression in his spirit. And the next miracle, what does he do? He calmed the sea. He calmed the sea. A much more, a bigger scale. And then there was again progression. Because the third one, he said, I'll walk on water. And he walked on water. Progression, growth in the spirit, in the father consciousness made him to venture in, out into his father to a greater and greater extent. And then in the realm of humanity, the miracles that he performed. I see a very clear pattern of progression. The Bible says, first of all, he, he, he healed them of all manner of sicknesses. A whole variety of ailments. And then there was progression because then he started healing the blind. It's not a sickness. It's of a different order. And then in his consciousness, when he grew, he revealed more of the power of the Father when he moved to the next level and he started healing lepers, incipient death, people who have a death sentence over their head, leprosy in those days. And then he healed the lepers. And then there was further progression because the next healing that he had done was in the creative realm. A man stood before him with no eyes in his sockets and he created eyes for him. So there was a progressive revelation of the power of the Father whose image he actually carries in Christ Jesus himself. 
And now you can understand, you can understand why he was very sad when at some stage in this progression, Philip asked him, show us the Father. Show us the Father. And he said, I have been so long with you, Philip. You've seen all these works of mine. Now you ask me, show me the Father. But Philip, I tell you, if you see me, you see the Father. You see the Father. He's, he embodied the Father. He expressed the Father. He manifested his Father. And that's why Hebrews 1 says of him, he, was, he is the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person. I think it's Colossians that, that are also coming in here. Can you understand his disappointment? Show us the Father. But then I want to just show you two or three, giant, two or three giant steps that he then made. The whole redemption program is comprised of giant steps in the progression of Christ's career. Crucifixion, death, resurrection, ascension, going to a different world altogether where nobody's been before, and exaltation at the right hand of the Father. If that's not progression, then I don't know what progression is. Wonderful, wonderful Jesus. In the realm of death, I speak humanly if I say he had to postpone this to the last in order for him to gain stature with his father, to gain, if he could, gain confidence, God, father consciousness, he then started to contend with death. And listen to this progression. The daughter of Jairus had been dead only for a few minutes or less than an hour. He was nearby when it happened and he rushed there and he raised Tabitha Komi. He raised her from the dead. Let's say an hour. It's not the end of the progression. The next one where he confronted death was the widow of Nain's son. He was in the opposite direction and the funeral procession came out and he touched the bier and he raised the son of the widow of Nain. According to tradition, he must have been dead for about 24 hours, the best part of that. And Jesus raised him. And the progression doesn't stop there. Then he got news from the sisters of Lazarus. Your friend is ill. You better come quickly. And the Bible tells me he tarried. And I think this is a fresh perspective on why he tarried. He wanted to show the power of God even over death. When he arrived there, he, the sister said, God, he stinketh. You can read it. 
And what happened? He raised Lazarus from the death. A wonderful career of progression. He progressed in his father and become, became more and more like him. I'm, I'm, I'm almost through. Right. Our own spiritual progression. Do you agree with me that he achieved the standard that was set before him? He could rightfully say in many places in John, from John 10 to John 16, 17, he could say, my father and I are one. If you see the father, you see me. If you see me, you see the father. We're indistinguishable. It's wonderful. That is the goal that we need to set for ourselves. But our standard is Jesus Christ. Did you know that man is the only creation of God that can reveal God? Nothing else can do it. Man is the only creation with the capacity to really receive and to manifest God. The exalted Christ is the standard for our growth. Not for nothing, he, Hebrews 12 too, calls him the author and the finisher of our faith. Just as Jesus grew in his manifestation of the Father, so we in turn need to manifest him because he commissioned us. And he commissioned us there too in John 20, 21. As my father sent me, so sent I you. He is not ashamed, Hebrews 2, 11. He is not ashamed to call us his brothers, partakers of the heavenly calling, the exalted calling where he's sitting at the right hand of the father. From there we are his co-workers and the partners in the redemption program. I already said the agency for our growth is the Holy Spirit himself. And the more one grows, it's, it's, it's just natural. This is something out of the natural realm. The more one grows, the more one is motivated by the experience of progression in Christ. You're motivated by the experience of the progression in Christ. Now we come to the... Big question, and I'm five minutes from the end. What if people should ask us tonight? Show us Jesus. That's the question before us. If we are asked now, like uh, I think for Andreas in, uh, Andreas in Acts, the Greek-speaking people came, we want to see Jesus. It's a valid question which we should answer. Will we be able to as confidently as Jesus responded, if you see me, you see my Redeemer, my elder brother. You see me, it's my family. As long as you see me, you have what you, what you need. He's my elder brother. Listen to this. My conclusion is Christ, Christ was father-possessed. In, in my language, in Afrikaans, possessed has got a bit of a, a negative loading. But I don't think it's wrong to say. If one really looks at the life of Christ, he was father-possessed. There was nothing for him outside his father. 
and we in turn, because Christ is our standard. And I'm saying it softly because it sounds harsh, but I think we must become Christ-possessed. We must become christ I always wonder why is it that in the realm of darkness, in the kingdom of darkness, possession comes so easily. I think. Why can't we not, why can't we be possessed with the one who owns us any, in any of it? All right. So that's my plea to you tonight. We should get christ possessed. Not for nothing does Paul call himself to Philemon, I think, the prisoner of Christ. If you're somebody's prisoner, he's got all of you. You're his, all right? The slave of Jesus Christ. What is our ultimate moment? You see, our progression progresses, and then there's a time when we're going to see Christ face to face. And no matter the extent to which you progressed, I said to you in the beginning, if you see Christ... It's just impossible not to change again. But then, listen to this. 1 John 3, 2 says this. Beloved, now, now, listen to the big language. Now we are sons of God. I think it's in John 14 somewhere that he says, didn't I say ye are gods? But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Because for we shall see him as he is. All the blinkers off. And that is when we shall be transposed from glory to glory in a moment. I just pray, oh God, may this gap not be too big for me. Closing. I'm closing with two examples out of our human company. St. Francis of Assisi. Apparently, he was a very godly man. And it is said that he contemplated the suffering Messiah and the cross of Jesus Christ. He was a cross-bearer of Jesus Christ to the extent that they tell us that he gave instructions then when he, that when he died, they should open his chest. And he said that they will find an imprint, impress, what do you call it, of the cross on his heart. And it was true. What I'm saying to you is if you contemplate something in the spiritual realm to such an extent as he apparently did, it, it translates into the physical world where we are in. We can become more and more and more and more like Christ every day of our lives. Now, when I read this, I thought if he had only contemplated, not the suffering Messiah, but the one of Revelation 1.18, the triumphant, the victorious one that says, I triumphed over death, I live forevermore, and I've got the keys of death and hell. What would they have today then said about St. Francis of Assisi, apart from the imprint on his heart. The last one, Simon Peter. Progression in the life of Simon Peter. Listen to this. From denial, disowning of Jesus, to the very embodiment 
of the fullness of his power. Oh, if I could only wish that I can be so full of the Lord that wherever I move and literally and figuratively wherever my shadow fell, that lives will not be, that lives will not be unchanged. That lives will be impacted for the kingdom of God. Where my shadow fell. Or, if I could say, silver and gold have I none, but what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That is really the desire of my heart for us all to get to that place. What the world needs is Jesus. And just one glimpse of him. And tonight, as far as I'm concerned, you and I, in this dispensation, is that glimpse of Christ for the world. Let us be encouraged to work on our spiritual progression in God, in Christ Jesus, so that we can also achieve that. Oh, to be his hand extended, reaching out to the oppressed. Let me touch him. Let me touch Jesus so that others may know and be blessed. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you.